It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 18th, 2021. My name is Philip Rossmike. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, I was too overwhelmed with the craziness of Wednesday. So we're going to recap Wednesday and Thursday's wild days in the NBA as the Magic's coaching search just got a little bit more interesting. We're going to head to the locker room and our Spotify green room that we did on Thursday coming up here and talk a little about the Magic's coaching situation as well as some draft stuff. And I will explain how the lottery actually works. We'll get to that coming up today on the podcast, so stay tuned for all that. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's such a great video download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here coming to Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Milwaukee Bucks after their win over the Brooklyn, Net- over the Brooklyn Nets? Check out Locked On Bucks. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Now let's go to the locker room or the green room, whatever it's being called now. Thanks everyone again for joining me for the Spotify Green Room, what used to be called Locker Room. I appreciate everyone joining in on the show. Um, my name, of course, is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Uh, I'm also the host of Locked on Magic, but y'all already knew that. I'm just doing that for the podcast since I'll be turning this into the next episode of Locked on Magic as well. Um, I want to start today's show by just going over what's happened over the last 36 hours, it feels like, in the NBA. It's been an earth-shattering a uh, couple, it's been an earth shattering 48 hours for the NBA, starting with Kevin Durant's huge performance in the Brooklyn Nets game five win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, that'll be followed with game six tonight, probably. Um, but since then, we've had Chris Paul going into the health and safety protocols. We've had Kawhi Leonard's knee injury. We've had the big, um, we've had the big comeback by the Atlanta Hawks, the LA Clippers and playoff P going in and beating the Utah Jazz, but the Jazz on the brink of elimination. So many things have happened here over the last few few days. And and the Orlando Magic Force have been kind of on the periphery of them, probably for good reason. But something has happened over the last uh, few days that does affect the Orlando Magic directly. Um, There have been three new head coach openings. So now we're up to seven open jobs in the NBA. We are kind of expecting the Bucs to fire Mike Budenholzer if they're eliminated in the second round of the NBA playoffs as well. And what this does is essentially creates more competition for the Magic, um, more teams probably possibly going after the guys the Magic are chasing after. For those that have been living under a rock, the New Orleans Pelicans have fi- fired Stan Van Gundy yesterday. The Washington Wizards fired Scott Brooks after five years yesterday. And then just now, 
in the last 30 minutes to an hour since we're recording this, the uh, Dallas Mavericks, uh, Rick Carlisle actually resigned from the Dallas Mavericks. So again, there's some big openings here. We're talking about the Portland Trailblazers and Boston Celtics have all-star players. Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook represent all-star and elite talent players for the Washington Wizards. The Pelicans obviously have a young nucleus with Zion Williamson and um, uh, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. We have Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic. There are a lot of high-profile openings available, and. You know, for Magic fans who are thinking, oh, we're going to get the best coach available or we have a really good job, the Magic all of a sudden don't seem like they have the best job available. Um, no doubt. If you're Becky Hammond, if you're uh, Ken, David Vanderpool, if you're, one of the, if you're Jason Kidd, one of these coaches the Magic are reportedly set to interview, you know, like an Ime Yudoka, like a Darvin Ham. If you're picking between the Magic and the Mavericks, you know, yeah, the Magic might have maybe a little bit more stable of a, of a front office situation. But if you're just looking purely at the roster, it's pretty clear who you're going to pick. What these, what these additional openings do is that yes, it means the magic have more competition. Yes. It means that the magic are not as likely to get uh, their top choice. If that top choice also has offers elsewhere. Um, again, if you're Becky Hammond and I, and I, and I'm a big proponent of Becky Hammond, I think that she should be a head coach. I think she will be a head coach in the NBA. And I think it'll probably happen during this hiring cycle. But if I, I've always believed as if I were Becky Hammond and I were set, set to become the first woman to become head coach in the NBA, I want to make sure I'm in a situation that is set up for my success as much as it can be. I wouldn't be looking at a team like the Orlando magic. I'd be looked, I'd be looking at a team with more established stars with, with a better chance to accumulate some wins because the bottom line is the Orlando magic are likely trying to, are, are likely okay with absorbing a few losses for next season for sure and maybe even two years for the next two years the magic are not a team that's likely to be competing for the playoffs now the lottery can change all of that they could get a player that completely transforms the franchise but at this point we don't quite know so again if i'm becky hammond and i'm looking at my options and portland's interviewing me and, and even and 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 dallas is interviewing me and boston's interviewing me Orlando, you know, yeah, I take the interview with Orlando, but Orlando isn't my first choice. If I were ranking the current head coaching positions by best available, I'd have Orlando only above Indiana. And that's not to say that Indiana's job isn't good. Indiana's kind of stuck in the middle. That, that, to me, that's a team that probably has to do a rebuild and has to look for a way to kind of refresh themselves. Because, yes, DeMontis Sabonis is a very good player. Karis LeVert looks very, very good. But that does not feel like a team that's going to compete for a championship. They, they need they'll need a shakeup at some point. And, you know, maybe that's something that they're in the works for. Um, and maybe that's something that they're in the works for as they, uh, as they try to figure out what comes next for them. Um, so to me, the biggest asset that the magic have to offer is that top or is that, you know, top lottery pick they have coming up in the, in Tuesday's draft lottery. If that hits at one, you know, maybe they're a little bit more attractive to some teams, um, but more likely than not, it's still dealing with a young team. It's still understanding there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of losses in the short term that limits who you're going to go after. People ask me, people have already begun asking me, do you think the magic could go get Rick Carla? No, I don't think Rick Carla would be interested in coaching a team like the magic. He's, he's a more established coach. I think that he'll be in the running for Portland. He'll be in the running for Boston. He's going to be in the running. He'll be in the running for new Orleans. Although I don't think they, I, I don't think new Orleans wants to go for a coach quite like Carlisle after, uh, after spinning their wheels with, uh, with Stan Van Gundy, I really feel 
that the ma- that the Magic are are going to continue in their process. They're not competing for the same kind of coaches that some of these other teams are competing. But what this does, what this does mean, is Orlando has to act quickly when they find their guy or person. Sorry, excuse me. When the Magic find the person that they believe is their next head coach, they need to act quickly because if they wait, it is just as likely that they're going to go to uh, another place. Um, as I've mentioned on Twitter plenty of times and something that I really, really do believe in, uh, the, the, there are more qualified head coaches in this league than there are positions available. There are 30 spots, 30 head coaching spots available in the NBA. There are more than 30 people capable of being good head coaches in the NBA. So I'm not worried about the Magic getting a quality candidate. I think they will get someone that will be very good for them. Um, will it be the sexiest name? Probably not because the Magic aren't quite a sexy team right now. Um, they don't have the talent or, or the, the track record to attract that, that attract the kind of high-level high level, um, uh, 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 candidates that you would. But I do think Orlando is attractive enough that they will get someone that they'll be very, very happy with. They're not going to kind of settle for Ty Corbin unless he's kind of the best guy on the board. Um, this, is, this, is, I think, uh, this is, I think, a, a situation that's good but one that's going to need a little bit of patience. And I'm not sure a lot of these coaches will have, um, have patience. Um, going through some of these, com- going through some of these comments. So um, I'm going to try and get to get to your comments here. If you have a speaker request, you want to jump on the show, please feel free to do so. Um, Gustavo Poppy comments. wonder if Kenny Atkinson will draw interest from contenders. He's my number one option. I had him number one on my power rankings um, last week. I'll do another one of those coaching power rankings on OrlandoMagicDaily.com next week. Obviously a lot's changed. I think I still have Kenny Atkinson as number one on my power rankings, even so. Um, I, I like his experience having done this with the team going from the bottom of the league to a playoff caliber team. And obviously there's some other factors in Brooklyn there as well, but um, his team's always played hard. I've always been really impressed with him as a coach. Uh, I would be curious if Atkinson is interested in some of these other teams. Um, he obviously kind of flamed out in Brooklyn because he just didn't want to deal with Kyrie um, and, and, and some of the star power. He didn't really mesh well with that kind of transition in the roster. Uh, but uh, I, I would be curious um, because I do think that, you know, if, if I were if I were in Kenny Atkinson's shoes, I wouldn't necessarily want to uh, I wouldn't necessarily want to um, go from go from a, a, a rebuilding team to another rebuilding team. I'd want to play and prove that, hey, I can coach teams that aren't rebuilt that aren't rebuilding. I mean, this is essentially, I think, why Steve Clifford's no longer the coach of the Orlando Magic. Steve Clifford doesn't want to be known as the development foundation coach, even if that's what he is. Um, he wants to he wants to be in a position where he can win, where he can win championships, where he can compete for championships. And that's not something he was going to be able to do in Orlando in the short term. And so his career goals kind of changed. I wonder if Atkinson feels the same way, if, if, if he also believes that he needs to kind of take another step in his career and coach a team that has a little bit more heft to them. Um, Raph Henry says, still like Vanderpool a lot. Dame Lillard and Carl Anthony Towns vouch for him. David Vanderpool is really, you know, he's always been my pick. I, I think he's still one of the better um, candidates out there. Uh, I am cognizant and, and I want to be uh, very clear that there are, um, that you know, that there's definitely coded language when it comes to especially black coaches uh, and really and really black job, job candidates. And, and I do want to be conscious of this. Um, he's been interviewed a lot of times. For, for head coaching jobs, and I, I don't know why he hasn't gotten one yet. Um, I don't want to fall back on the, well, he interviews poorly because that can be a little bit of coded language, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I do think that I do think that uh, uh, David Vanderpool has been knocking on the door for a head coaching job for a long time. I think that this would be a great opportunity. 
Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, Carl Anthony Towns all vouch for him. I, 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 there, there, there might be some other reason. Um, there might be some other reason why he's not getting these jobs that he's been applying for for a long time and interviewing for, for, for a long time. Uh, but, uh, but um, it, it's not known publicly at this point, and we can only guess at this point. Let's get a speaker request. Uh, Baldemar Merlo. How's it going, Baldemar? Oh, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's up? Okay, Phil. I mean, first off, how's your day been? It's been okay. My 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 AC broke today, so the reason I was running a little late because it was uh, it was getting fixed. But it's it's all good now. I'm all cool. It's, you know, here here in Orlando, we we definitely need the AC. So that was that oh was yeah, of course. <laughs> no, nah, I was just gonna ask. Like, it's kind of like maybe related to this, not really. Maybe a sure. little bit, but um, it's because I was scrolling on Twitter or whatever earlier, and I saw this thing of like. Of course, like we know all like the open coaching jobs right now, and I was thinking like which one seems like the least desirable right now. I've seen somebody ask that, and I don't know how that would affect us. Like, do you think we're the ones that are one of the most unread? Like, I guess the so, one that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I think I mean there are thirty of these jobs. They're all desirable. I, like, like if you're a head, if you're a guy that's trying to be a head coach in this league. There's only 30 of these jobs, you know, so you're, you're dealing with scarcity here. Um, the, the, to me, the least desirable job is Indiana. Um, and, and it's no offense, Indiana. I, I am an admirer of what the Pacers have done. But the thing about the Pacers is you look at that roster, you know, you've got established guys like DeMontis Sabonis. He's an, he's a, he's an all-star. Um, Karis LeVert had a really strong run to the end of his season. Uh, and I think that he's, you know, he he could be he could be a player that eventually leaps into stardom. But when you look at that roster, that roster is not winning a championship. Um, and I even think the Pacers would admit that the Pacers have been very good. And I and and I, I take some heat for this sometimes because my my take sometimes is, um, my take sometimes is, you know, I don't mind if Orlando becomes Portland or Indiana. Like those teams win fit, you know, win pretty regularly. They make the playoffs. They win a playoff series every once in a while. But the issue is they're not competing for championships. And, and so at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, you know, are we just trying to make the playoffs and provide a good product for our fans, which is not a bad goal. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that's a goal that we should necessarily like poo-poo completely. But if you are trying to win a championship, the Indiana Pacers just aren't in a position to win a championship. Um, the Magic are slightly better positioned to do so because of the draft pick that they have. Now, they're further back. It's going to take, you know, you're, if you're a coach, you're going to need the patience to, to, come in, to come in there and, and work, work it. Um, you know, the, the, the prize possession is not in your hands yet. You're kind of, you're kind of betting that it's going to be worth something. Um, but uh, I think that Orlando has an opportunity to kind of move up that pecking order, depending on who they pick and depending on, you know, again, who they pick here to be head coach is going to go a long way in, in that. So, you know, you look at the other jobs that are available, you know, Washington might be another one that's kind of on the, on the fence because are, is that team really going to win a championship too? But You've already got established stars in Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook. You know what they're capable of. There's some young players there that you can work with. That's a team that could, you know, with a couple of good moves, sneak sneak up the Eastern Conference pecking order. But then you got like New Orleans, I think, is really attractive with a young Zion and a young Brandon Ingram. Um, Boston's obviously really attractive with Jason Tatum. Dallas has Luka Doncic. Portland has Damian Lillard. You know, you're talking about guys with potential top 10 talents. At the end of the day, these are all real big competitors they want to win championships. And so when I look at the Indiana situation, especially to me, Indiana isn't in position to win a championship. The good news for Orlando though, I think is outside of maybe Kenny Atkinson, I imagine the Pacers are looking for a coach with some experience 
to kind of help try and get them to that next level. Whereas Orlando is probably looking for a coach that's trying to build it, build us, build a base and build an establishment. And that's a completely different kind of coach. So I don't know if they're really competing with each other. All right, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's all I really had right now. Yeah. No, no worries. I, I appreciate, I appreciate Baltimore. If, if anyone else has a, a speaker request, uh, feel free to, to, to raise your hand. Um, I don't know exactly what it looks like on, on your screen. I know what it looks like on my screen. Um, raise your hand and, and come in here. This is meant to be a little bit more of a conversation. Um, uh, let me, I, I want to answer your questions. Um, I'll, uh, you know, I, I, I talk a lot on the podcast. I talk a lot on Locked on Magic. It's very much a monologue for me. So I, I love doing these to kind of hear what you all have to say. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm reading through some of the comments here. Raph Henry um, kind of going back to the David Vanderpool conversation said, rebuilding situation could be attractive. A coach can really put their stamp on the team, create a culture. And, um, you know, again, I often say that the Jacques Vaughn hire was very much the original sin of the Orlando Magic's first rebuild. Um, I, I really think that the Magic made a huge mistake, you know, again, and it's hard to predict, but the Magic made a huge mistake going with Jacques Vaughn. He was not prepared to kind of guide a team and provide the foundation, provide the culture, as much as a lot of people hate that word, provide the culture that this team needed to grow and develop. And it's, it's painfully obvious the kind of talent the Magic had in those early years. Victor Oladipo became an all-star. Tobias Harris has, has, you know, except for these last two games with the Sixers, had a very nice playoffs and has had a very nice career. Um, you know, the Magic obviously acquired him a little bit later on in that first year. Uh, Mo Harkless has ended up with, you know, something like a six, seven-year career. Like, he he turned into a really nice player that, that kicked around the league for a long time as a defensive specialist. Um, you know, Nikola Vucevic obviously became an all-star. Um, there were good players on those Magic rosters that Jacques Vaughn, coached and Jacques Vaughn built, but he could never get them to coalesce together. And some of that, yeah, some of that is the magic never got the main guy. Um, you know, someone yesterday tweeted at me saying, you know, the magic are in a better situation than a lot of people be- believe because they're not starting from scratch. They've got a bunch of young players already, like a Jonathan Isaac, like a Markel Fultz, like an RJ Hampton or Cole Anthony or Wendell Carter. They got a bunch of young guys uh, and they could coalesce very, very quickly if, if, if some of them developed the right way. And, and my response to that was, you know, this is right. I, I do agree with this. But what the, this team is missing and what this team has always missed is the one guy that's clearly better than everyone. The one guy that, that makes it clear, like, okay, my role is X. My role, my role is Y. My role is Z. And this guy is our guy that's going to carry us home. Um, the Magic don't have never really had that. Um, they've been searching for that since Dwight Howard left. Uh, and so... And so, like, that, that's what this draft presents is the opportunity to get that kind of a player that you can really begin to build around. It's time to take a break so we can name our Michelob Ultra moment of the week. It's obviously been a great, great week in NBA playoffs. Uh, we've had some fantastic, fantastic games all up and down, and frankly, in a week that's been kind of dark with the injuries, with Chris Paul entering the health and safety protocols, with the Kawhi Leonard, uh, and, and so much questions about what the cost of this season was, sometimes the basketball's just really good. Watching Kevin Durant score, a four, have a 49-point triple-double, something, uh, what the 49-15-10 game, I think was the first time that's ever been done in NBA history. Uh, what Trey Young is doing with the Atlanta Hawks, um, sometimes the basketball's just fun. Uh, and, and sometimes I think we need to just, you know, stop, you know, just pause the narratives and just enjoy the basketball, um, you know, because basketball is a fun sport. Good things happen. So our ultra moment of the week goes to the basketball itself. 
It has been fun to watch NBA playoff basketball, fun to watch these high-intensity games, fun to watch great basketball play out on the hardwood. So be sure that you enjoy it too because Michelob Ultra helps you enjoy everything a little bit more. Go, go check out tons of other exciting Ultra moments with hashtag Ultra Moment. Remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it and with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success because enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. We'll be right back to the green room coming up here in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, let's go back to, uh, to Baltimore here. He has another question. Baltimore, what's up? I'm really sorry, bro, but like, no, no, talking about good. the the draft or whatever. Obviously, lottery night is coming close. It's almost here. Um, have you had any like changes on like maybe some rookies or some people? Because I've seen Kuminga drop on some boards that I've seen around. I was like, I mean, what changed from like last week to this week? Like, what what made people change from Kuminga? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. Some Magic fans have been passing around this this guy's draft board that has Kuminga like twenty second. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's opinions really have changed at this point. Um, you know, the only thing that would change is if if like some ba- some NBA people or or there's some sourcing out there saying, oh, you know, we're hearing X Y Z doesn't like Kuminga, or you know, no, like like there's 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 this many teams that are down on Kuminga. And there's kind of a run on like, well, if they're down on Kaminga, I'm down on Kaminga. Like, I, I think that this draft is very clearly a top five. Um, you know, anyone who's, you know, maybe I've seen a few people try and sneak Scotty Barnes ahead of Jonathan Kuminga. And, and I think the reason why Kuminga is kind of singled out is he's the one guy that's the, he's the most raw of those top five guys. Like we all saw what Jalen Green could do. We all saw what Cade Cunningham could do. We all saw what Evan Mobley could do. We could all saw, we all saw what Jalen Suggs could do. Those guys produced every single night for their teams uh, at the college or the G League level. Um, Kuminga, Kuminga had a bit more of an uneven stretch in the G League, um, but he still showed a lot of why people were very high on him. Like he's, he, to me, honestly, out of all those five guys, you know, maybe except for Cade, Kuminga's got the most NBA-ready body. Like I, I would trust Jonathan Kuminga to come into, the, come into the game and be ready to handle the physicality of the NBA unless he's just stopped working out for the last, you know, three months. Um, I, I really do think that Kuminga is NBA ready. I think he'll be able to defend at a fairly high level. The biggest question for him is can he develop that jump shot? And, you know, whether you believe in Kuminga or not depends on whether you believe in that jump shot. Um, you know, our, 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 our pal Richard Stamen, um, Mavs draft of locked on NBA draft is a big believer in Kuminga's jump shot. He believes that Kuminga, Kuminga's jump shot is going to come around at some point and is much higher on him than some other players. I mean, he's a little lower on Jalen Green because he doesn't think Jalen Green's jump shot's going to come around as much. Um, so I, I think that, I, I, I really think that, um, that you know, the, the top five to me is well-established. I mean, I've done mock drafts where I had the fifth pick. Um, I looked into Scotty Barnes because I have Scotty Barnes sixth. Um, and I was like, 
is there really a comp here? And I looked at it and it's like, you know, Scotty Barnes isn't much better of a shooter. He's a little bit better of a playmaker, but Kuminga's like, you know, Kuminga's body, Kuminga's overall skills, I think, um, surpass him. And so, you know, I might have Kuminga fifth on my board behind the other four guys, and it might be, you know, a top four Kuminga and then everyone else. But to me, Kuminga's still a, a clear top five pick. Anyone who's not picking him in the top five is probably trying to be a little provocative. And I'm not saying that he's top five for everyone, but I would imagine on NBA draft boards, he is in everyone's top five, or if not, very, very close, very, very close there. Yeah, yeah. And this might be a little bit off the wall, but like, what would you, because this has been like a conversation this whole morning, I feel like, in my group chat, was um the whole Zion situation in, in New Orleans. Like, what does this, because I know we're a small market team too, so like, what does that mean for us? Like, these rookies or second year players wanting like I guess a championship team built around them relatively soon like do you think that is that like do you have any opinions on that yeah uh you know I I I I was following the news just like everyone else and you know I I I, the, the first thought that I had is like if a team like New Orleans you know can't get to the even the end of Zion's rookie contract or at the end of a you know generational star like Zion's rookie contract without him requesting a trade then what then then what hope do other small markets have like you know the the you know small markets like Orlando and New Orleans is certainly one and and, and I think there's other factors in there too I think New Orleans front office is definitely a li- I mean I think they're better now with David Griffin than they were before but obviously, there's still some turmoil. They just fired. They just fired another coach. They've had two coaches in the last few years with, with their generational star. They picked the wrong guy in San Van Gundy, and they're paying the consequence for it. Um, but I, I think that I think that it is really concerning um, because the whole draft system is set up to you know reward the teams that struggle the most to give to give them the, the chance to get superstars, and it's meant to disperse the stars out a little bit more, like the NBA doesn't want to be the European soccer model. They don't want to be, um, you know, kind of the, the, the old baseball model where the power teams just throw their money around, throw their influence around, and get all the best players. And, and honestly, that still happens anyway. It's, just, it's sort of an illusion. Um, Magic fans certainly can attest to that. Um, but uh, but I, think that, I think that it is really, really concerning if a player like Zion looks at a situation like New Orleans – they, they they've got good things going. Like they they, they might have made the playoffs last year if not for the not for the season going you know going and in, going into hiatus. Um, this year they were right not they were knocking on the door for the playoffs as well. Um, there's got to be a little bit of patience, but New Orleans dysfunction definitely I think sits sits poorly with people. Um, you know I think that it does sound like there was some trepidation about going to New Orleans as a city and not being in maybe a bigger market and not kind of manipulating their way to a bigger market perhaps. Um, but if, 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 you know, the, the promise that was sort of guaranteed and, and this was something that I think was born a little bit out of the magic losing Shaq after four years was you have seven years to prove to the, to your, to these young players that you can build a championship team around them. The magic had seven years to convince Dwight Howard to stay. Um, they got to the finals, they built a championship team around them and it collapsed, you know, at the wrong moment, obviously, but it collapsed and their, their time ran out. Um, you know, Dallas is in the same situation, and Dallas isn't necessarily a small market. It's a it, it, small market, but they're in the same situation. They've got seven years to convince Doncic to say. Milwaukee had seven years to convince Giannis to say, and they were successful in doing that. Um, 
Doncic is going to stay. He's going to sign that, that that super max extension, um, and then they're going to have five years where you know the pressure is on them now to find a new GM, to find a new coach, and to put themselves in championship contention. If 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 you can't even get to the end of that four year rookie contract before a guy is like fed up with it, to me that's the death of the whole draft system. That's the death of the whole uh, of the whole thing. And the NBA has got to be a little bit concerned about this because. If you're New Orleans and you can't keep Zion for four years, what's that going to do to a fan in Orlando? What's that going to do to a fan in Portland? You know, obviously they got Damian Damian Lillard. What's that going to do to a fan in Sacramento when you get when you get that star? Um, you know, if you can't deliver to those fans, you know, you have seven. You know, you have these seven, ten, this decade to win with this guy before he's got the freedom to leave and it becomes more financially viable for him to leave. Then then what's the point of those fans investing in that team? So uh, I think this is a, you know, I don't think it's like alarm bells ringing because I think this is maybe a special situation too, but this is definitely a major concern for the NBA. Now, now obviously, obviously like you can't control what players want to do. Like players do deserve some agency. They do deserve some freedom. The draft system kind of goes against a lot of things. And and there's definitely a good argument against the draft system and, and changing it to something else. Um, you know, and, and, you know, maybe moving a little bit closer to a European style style where, you know, teams are like the Indiana Pacers, for instance, like I said, you know, it is a success to finish in the middle of the pack. Um, it is a success to go, you know, on a deep run in like the commissioner's cup or, or, or some, some, something like that. Um, you know, there, 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 there are different models for how sports work. We, we do a very specific model here in the U S um, there is, Definitely, there's definitely an argument for all that, and I think this is going to open the door for some of those discussions to get a little bit, little bit more real. Because the NBA has to do a service to all 30 of its owners. It can't just be the Lakers. It can't just be the Knicks. It can't just be the Nets. It can't just be the Heat. It just can't. It can't just be the Bulls, um, and 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 those other bigger markets that that people tend to be interested in. They've got to they've got to make sure that every team believes they can accomplish their goals. They can draw in fans. They can win championships, and they can be successful. And if again, if Zion Williamson is able to force his way out of New Orleans after two years, um, that that puts a big credibility to that system and, and to the illusion of that system. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was very concerning to me when I heard that. I'm like, well, I mean, if you can't even have a guy for just his rookie contract, like not even counting the extension, like what hope does every other team, every other small market team has? Yeah, yeah. It's- and I mean, and, and and the rumors of Shaq wanting to go to L.A. Like those started the moment he was drafted. He was he was drafted to Orlando. Like like it was it was not. I mean, there's plenty written about uh, you know Shaq's agent Leonard Armato and his machinations to get Shaq to Los Angeles. Uh, as much as he denies it, um, there are, those rumors existed. It's it's not something new. Like it isn't new that something like this happened. And uh, you know my belief is Shaq was always going to LA in that free agency and the Magic not giving him the offer that he deserved was good cover, was good PR cover for him um, more than anything else. I think he was always going to LA. I hate to say it. Um, but, but again, a very, that's a very different NBA than it is now. Like th- that, that was more marketing as much as anything. Um, but, but yeah, it, 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 there's definitely an illusion here that that's getting pierced and, and fans do have to ask themselves like, why should I be a fan of this team? Why should I give my money and go to the Amway center to see the magic play the Cavs when, you know, the star player doesn't want to be here. is try is beginning to work it, work his way out, and I really just want to see the best the best teams anyway. Like that's that that is a major problem for the league if that's if that's what this is leading to. Um, I will say this though, the good news here is Cade Cunningham 
seems to like Orlando. He went to school. He went to did a, did a senior year at Montverde, so he's he's at least a little familiar with the area. Um, Jonathan Kuminga, I think, has been posting on Twitter on Twitter and his social media that he's been training in Orlando. So Orlando, I don't I don't think is quite in the same situation. Florida is still Florida. Um, it's not Miami, but it's still Florida. Um, so I I, I think I, I don't think Orlando will be in such a bad bad way. Um, certainly there are a lot of other factors with the magic that need to be better. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and we'll see if the magic can improve, the, improve those. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, I don't, I'm not super worried about like if the magic at the number one pick, Cade Cunningham's going to immediately start trying to weasel, you know, kind of get his way out. I think, I think he's willing to give Orlando a chance. Okay, man. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's all the questions I have for right now. So man, thank you so much, bro. Yeah, no, no worries. No worries. Let me, uh, let me catch up on, on some of these comments here. Um, uh, as Daniel Mortensen steps in. Hey, Daniel, what's up? Hey, Philip, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Hey, I had a question for you. Sure. Uh, Jalen Sugg seems to be the kind of forgotten man in that top four conversation. How do you think he would uh, fit in with our current roster, and how, how do you think his prospects look? Yeah, so, you know, I have Suggs fourth on my board. Um, and I think that a... You know, any guard who can create his own shot, who can score a little bit, um, is is a good thing. Um, that's something the Magic obviously need. I, I know I've trotted this stat out a few times or this fact out a few times. The Magic have not had a guard or like a wing player score more than 20 points per game since Steve Francis, I believe. Um, and yes, Steve Francis did do it once with the Orlando Ma- with the with the Magic a year after Jason McGrady left. Um, so the magic are in desperate need of some just perimeter creation. And I think that's what Suggs is really good at. Just he's a guy. And that's why, I mean, I think green is the best at that in this class. Um, But Suggs is really good at getting to the basket, finishing around the rim, creating his own shot. He can hit the three a little bit. Um, He can play point guard. And and I think what's really interesting is he reminds, you know, he's, he's kind of the same kind of combo guard that RJ Hampton is that Cole Anthony is a little bit. Cole Anthony's small, a smaller version of that. I think, um, he's he's very much a combo guard, so he can play both guard positions. And I think what we're seeing throughout the NBA, and I think it's something the Magic are really going to embrace this year, or they're hoping that their coach will embrace, is is um, is trying to play multiple ball handlers, having multiple guys who can attack off the dribble, can attack in pick and rolls, multiple guys who can keep pressure on the defense, and trying to spread the floor out uh, for them to get to get to get downhill and get to the basket and just kind of get out and run. I mean, we see Charlotte do that, we've seen Toronto do that. Um, having multiple guys who can attack pick and rolls is a good thing. It's never bad to have multiple ball handlers and multiple guys who can bring the ball up and organize the team. So um, I, I think Suggs is very much in the running. Obviously, the Magic have a lot of those guys already. Like Markel can do it a little bit. Um, obviously, RJ Cole can are, are in that category as well. Um, the Magic already have a lot of those combo guards. So um, if I have Suggs a little bit lower, it's because of that. I think there's still some questions about how effectively he can finish at the rim or how effectively he's going to be able to get a shot off because he is a little bit smaller. Um, you know, he's, he's a strong dude, though. I mean, I think those questions are more about separating him from Jalen Green than separating him from the guys beneath him. Like, I'm a big Moses Moody guy. I would love the Magic to take Moses Moody with the Bulls pick if the Magic get that, get that far. Um, but Suggs is much better at creating his own shot than Moses Moody is uh, and is much better at finishing around the rim than Moses Moody is. They don't play the same position, so maybe it's not complete apples to oranges, apples to apples, but um, it, I, I think that Suggs, you know, I've seen Suggs go two in a lot of mock drafts, so it's, it's really eye of the beholder stuff, and it's really just kind of, you know, kind of picking nits between between things. Um, you know, I, I think Suggs is, you know, if the Magic ended up with Jalen Suggs, but they picked him second over guys that I like, or third over guys that I like, or, or picked him fourth, 
I'd be very happy. Um, you know, I, I, I will, I would say this, I would be very, very happy if with any of those top four guys, um, Kuminga, I'm a little lower on for the magic just because the magic already have kind of combo forwards like him in Jonathan Isaac and Chumo Kiki. And I don't want to be thrown back into kind of that Aaron Gordon question. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned that they would be able to play together. Um, if Scotty Barnes honestly gives me the same kind of vibes, although I, I think the talent drops off so much, you just take the, you, you want to take the best player available. And then I think Barnes can fit a little bit better with them because he's got a little bit more playmaking ability. Um, but, but, um, but I would be happy with any of those four guys, really. I, I, I don't think there's a huge difference. Um, let me catch up on some of these, these, co- these comments. Just speaking of Kuminga, Gustavo Poppy notes Kuminga's game at the G League was good, but far from outstanding. Um, I agree completely. I thought he started off really, really strong. I was really, really impressed. I thought his shot was actually further along than I'd heard about uh, when I started watching the G League bubble games early on. Um, he did, I think, suffer a, a knee injury. It was relatively minor from everything I heard, but it did affect him and slow him down um, toward the end of the bubble. And, of course, he missed the the last few games when Jalen Green really took off. Um, so I, I do think I do think that we haven't seen the best of Kuminga, and so I think you do have to project him out a little bit. Um, Gustavo Poppy also notes he may have a ceiling as high as anyone in this draft, but this floor is really lower than Cade Mobley, Green, and Suggs. I agree with that completely, which is why I have him fifth on my board. Raph Henry says, just a reminder, Kuminga is the youngest of the top five, a year or more than Caden Suggs. How much better would he be with one more year of development? And I think it's also important to remember when it comes to that, how much better would he be if they weren't in the bubble? If they, if they had an actual G League season to go through, if they actually had the ability to, to kind of have a regular season. Um, you know, Jalen Green was fantastic, and I think that's a real credit to him. Um, but I think, I think more than anything, as good as some of these young players were, they were all affected more by the pandemic than anyone else, um, as Steve Clifford noted throughout the course of the season. Um, uh, Gustavo Poppy notes as well, Kuminga was at the Amway Center when Cole hit the game winner against Memphis. Um, if the Magic land outside top four, they should be aggressive on a trade up. Um, I, I think they should try and trade up, um, but I hate to tell you, like this, this draft is a draft that a lot of people are wait, have been waiting for. I, I Even if the Magic end up with the fourth pick and the eighth pick and they try to package them together to move up to get one of the top three, I don't think anyone's budging. This is a draft that everyone's been waiting for. I mean, I, I did the podcast with Richard Stainman of Locked on, uh, NBA, uh, Locked on NBA Draft a few weeks ago, and I asked him directly, is this a, ta- is this a draft worth tanking for? And, it, and he said, absolutely, this is a draft worth tanking for. This is a top five that a lot of lot of league executives have been waiting for. I don't think anyone is going to trade in this draft. I, I, like I've seen a lot of people pitch, you know, do it. You know, and, and again, I'm a big believer, and, and I, I firmly believe this. If, th- if there's a guy out there that is your guy, that you're 100% sure is your guy, go get him. Doesn't matter the cost. Are you willing to give up a first-round pick? Are you willing to give up two first-round picks? Are you willing to give up Jonathan I You know, I don't think Jonathan, Jonathan yeah. Isaac might be a little much, but um, – it, the cost matters, but this is a, I, I don't see anyone that gets in that top five trading. Whoever, whoever wins the lottery is going to, is going to keep that pick. Um, I, I just, unless it's, unless it's a playoff team and you're giving them like a high value veteran, um, you know, like one of those playoff fringe teams, uh, I don't see anyone moving, up, moving out of this draft. This is, this is a draft that they really Let's take another quick break so I can tell you a little bit about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com. You don't need to do that anymore. At home, in your pocket. You don't have to do that anymore. So save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why don't you just spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Example, a, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store. It's only 216 at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. It has prices that are reliably low for every customer from everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the how, their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action, all, all, all the action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action too. Before the next pitch, tip off, or whatever. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKED ON. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Don't forget to check out as well the Locked On Today podcast on the Locked On Today podcast today. Giannis on Dedekumpo and the Milwaukee Bucks stop Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets from sending them home. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Kayshawn Chambers asked opinions on games tonight. Um, I... I, I know a lot of people who really like him. Uh, I've looked at his stats. I haven't completely watched this tape yet, um, but I, I really like him too. Just his skill set matches what the Magic need. They need scores. They need creators. Um, they need guys who can score off the bounce. Um, he's definitely more of a two than a one. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, a little little bit undersized, but um, I, I think that I think that he's proven that he has scoring ability. That he can he can get up and get up and down and and play with a little bit of athleticism and. Um, you know, I have him, you know, I, I think I would still take Moody over him. I think I still have him in my top 10. Um, you know, I, I like Moses Moody's size. I like his ability to defend a little bit more. I think that Moody can develop into a great three-point shooter. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that Knight is a little bit too much of a gunner where he's, you know, he's always been used to looking for his own shot and looking to get create for himself. Um, whereas getting, uh, instead of getting others involved, and I do wonder, you know, can he be a leading scoring option and, and probably more, more for him. Can he be a sixth man? Um, if the Magic draft book night, I would probably say, you know, might be might be time to start moving Terrence Ross along because um, that's probably his ideal role is in that kind of Jamal Crawford microwave role. Um, but, you know, I, I think book night would be a really good pick. If the Magic come away with book night with that second pick, um, I, I don't I, I would not be upset about it. Um, I think I think that would be really, really good. Um, Baltimore Merlot asks, um, uh, says also seeing some Keon Johnson. I don't know much about him. I've watched a little bit of him. 
Um, his ability to get to the basket is really impressive. He's got good strength finishing at the rim. His shot really concerns me. I, I've docked him a lot because he's a sub 30% three-point shooter at college. Um, you know, it, it, you have to be very elite at something for me to, um, for me to, uh, uh, pass on, you have to be very elite at me for something to, for me to ignore the shooting issue. We've watched this magic team for seven, eight years now struggle to be a good shooting team, struggle to find shooters. Um, and so, <coughs> excuse me. So working on that cough there, um, I, I definitely think that shooting is such a key skill. Um, and, and it's just central to everything you do. Like, you know, you're watching the playoffs now. Good defense helps. Good defense gets you in the playoffs. But Atlanta wasn't a great defensive team. They can shoot the, they can shoot the snot out of the ball. I almost cursed there. Um, they can shoot a lot. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, that, that covers up a lot of weaknesses. At the end of the day, you look at the teams that are still in the playoffs. The Utah Jazz are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They're probably too reliant on three-pointers, which is one of the reasons they're losing. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. The Clippers were the best were, were the best three-point shooting team in the league by, th- by three-point field goal percentage, I believe, this year. They shot like 43% or 42% from three this season. Um, the Phoenix Suns obviously have a bunch of shooters. They have Devin Booker, Chris Paul running pick and rolls, and then they surround them with shooters like Cam Johnson, Mikal Bridges, um, you know, Darius Arch can shoot a little bit, not, not a great shooter. Jay Crowder is kind of a three and D specialist. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are all about shooting threes, spread the floor around Giannis, kick out, kick out for three pointers with, you know, even Brooke Lopez hitting threes. The Nets, obviously Durant, Harden, Irving surrounded completely by shooters. The reason the Philadelphia 76ers I think are struggling is they don't have enough shooters. I mean, Seth Curry has been a godsend for them. They need more three point shooting if they want to compete. Um, that's just kind of the way the league is. So if I were, if I were the magic, I would put a premium on shooting, and that's why I have Doc Keon Johnson down on my board. Raph Henry says, my opinion of the front office has changed for the better. Lately, they did well with the Bulls and Denver deal, and the Chuma pick turned out good. Um, I, I, I've been saying this for a lot of, for a lot, for a while, and I know people were a little frustrated with how um, how still they were and how like kind of how 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 they didn't really make any moves. Um, this this front office knows what they're doing. Um, I, I really do believe that. Um, you know, I've talked to some NBA people, and they. They really think that the Magic front office is in a good spot. Um, everything I've heard is they treat the players well. They treat the players with respect, which is you know going to be a good thing eventually when they do want, plan to play free agency. Um, right now, it's just about making the right draft picks. And the Mo Bamba pick is the only pick that I think we can really criticize. We can criticize their use of late first round picks, but so far, you know, they built. They were able to. They 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 showed enough patience to build a playoff team, uh, and then uh, to build a playoff team. Um, they they showed they they understood when it was time to move on from it, and they, I think they did a good job with those deals collecting talent. And again, we'll see exactly what they're made of. This coaching hire is going to be a really good, really big one. They obviously made the right choice with Steve Clifford. Um, say what you want about Steve Clifford and his limitations, he delivered exactly what the Magic, pro- what he promised he would to the Magic, exactly what Weltman promised to the fans. Um, the Steve Clifford home- hire was a home run for me. If they can get another hire that's as successful as the Steve Clifford hire was. Um, that'll be a really good sign for the Orlando Magic again because we're looking for something different from this next head coach. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Gustavo Papi, Usman Garuba, also an amazing talent coming from Europe, would be perfect fit to Isaac on a smaller lineup. Um, I have to watch more. I, I, I am catching up on draft stuff. I, I do tend to, you know, I watch a lot of the college game. I am familiar with all these names, um, so I do have a basic understanding of their games. I am going to watch a lot more after the NBA draft lottery. The draft lottery is kind of when I turn my attention fully to the draft and and really dive into the, into the prospects and, and, and really begin to separate them out a little bit more. Um, what I've read on Usman Garuba 
really talented player. I agree completely. He is definitely on, on my list. Um, uh, definitely on my, definitely on my list of guys uh, that, that, that you should be watching. I, I'm not completely sold on Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba for sure. Um, I do have my questions about Wendell Carter still. I, I wouldn't give him a contract extension. So the center position to me is still very, very open. I'm not against Evan Mobley. Um, and Usman Garuba, you know, I, I don't know if I would pick him necessarily with Carter there if, if I'm still sold on Carter or if the Magic are sold on Carter. Um, but um, but Garuba, to me, Garuba, from everything I've read, really solid phys- physical guy. Um, doesn't have much of an out perimeter game yet. But, you know, honestly, this, this is my feeling on centers at this point. Um, you can find centers. You just need centers who are grinders, can defend a little bit on the perimeter, defend pick and rolls, and rim protect. You don't need them to do much more than that. Maybe space the floor a little bit, but you just need grinders. And if Garuba's a grinder, he's going to find his way. The the one guy that that I've heard a lot about that I'm that I'm interested in watching a little bit more is um, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, the, 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 the kid from Turkey, I'm gonna have to look him up now. Um, sorry about that, guys. I'm I'm still I'm still learning this draft class. Um, I'm I'm getting there. Um, let me, let me, let me pull up his, pull up his name here real fast. Why do they still have C.R. Williams? Uh, Sangun, Alpern Sangun. See, once I see the name, I know it. Um, Alpern Sangun really interests me uh, as a big man prospect. I think he has a little bit more, little bit more skill, skill right now, a little bit more talent. I think he averaged what, 18 points per game for, for Besiktas, which is not a small team at all in Turkey. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to watch him. I think they play in the Olympics this summer. Um, th- that'll be, that'll be a guy I think to keep an eye on as well, um, for, for the magic, for the magic or for anyone at that p- part of the lottery. But, um, I, I still think the best, uh, international prospect is probably Josh Giddy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sangun goes ahead of Giddy. Um, but to me, Josh Giddy is a major wild card in this draft. It, it to me, to me, Josh Giddy screams, the magic are going to take him with that second pick to be perfectly honest. Um, I hate to say it, um. Guy is a six six eight play six eight point guard essentially. Um, he led the NBL in assists, which is the Australian league, which is the same league that Lamelo Ball led in assists the year before. Um, that's not just and, and it's a good league. Like this isn't some bad league. Like we saw what Lamelo Ball did when he got to the NBA and got NBA spacing. This is a physical league to to, to be successful. Um, to be successful in the in the NBA in in the NBL, you got to be you got to be tough there. They're definitely a little more rough and tumble over there. Um, Giddy. I, I, I Giddy from everything I've heard is, is fantastic. I just saw some video come across my timeline where he's really working on a shot. He was a sub 20% three point shooter. But like I said, if you're going to be a poor shooter, you need to do something elite and, and to be a six, eight guy who can lead the league in assists and, and play and play with the ball in your hands. Like, look, I like Cole Anthony a lot. I'm not sure Cole Anthony is a point guard. Uh, I think he's, I think he's better off the ball a little bit as a shooter and as a scorer. Um, RJ Hampton, uh, you know, we don't know if he's a point guard yet. He's probably a little bit better as an off ball guy. So if you can play those two together with Giddy, um, kind of running the point, like a Ben Simmons, um, I, I think you might have a little bit more success with all those players. So, uh, I I'm interested to see where Giddy, how Giddy develops in this draft process and where he ends up going. Um, as uh, Gustavo notes, Garuba reportedly working a lot on the shot. If he ever gets to be a floor stretcher and if his D and playmaking translate, that's the steal of the draft. I, I agree completely. I'm, I'm eager to kind of dive in a little bit more. I definitely have him on my radar as, as someone that, that I'm interested in that when, when I started reading a little bit more about him. But like I said, for me, the best foreign guy in this draft is Josh Giddy. Um, I think, I think there's gonna be a lot of guys that fall in love with Josh Giddy when they get a chance to really dive into his tape and, and really begin to, to, to watch and, and see him play. Uh, we're coming up here on six o'clock uh, on the East coast. Um, 
as someone mentioned, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll see you all at the lottery party. Um, our, our friends at the Sixth Man Show will be hosting a NBA draft lottery party at Perry Buffalo, which is a very fine establishment uh, on Church Street. I know downtown Orlando will be busy on Tuesday uh, with the uh, Orlando City game opening to full capacity as well. Um, but I'm told there will be a fair amount of people at Harry Buff at Harry Buffalo um, uh, for the NBA draft lottery and to watch the NBA draft lottery uh, together. Um, obviously, we're we're happy to be together. We're happy to be through this through this pandemic. So if you're interested, just know that that party is available. Um, I may try and make a cameo. I, I am working that night, um, so I may try and make a cameo very very early on in the night before the draft lottery takes place. But um, if you're looking for fellow Magic fans to Watch the NBA draft lottery with that. That is a good place to go. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start closing the show. So if you have any more comments or speaker requests, please feel free to do so. Um, I am I am gonna close the show with probably the most important piece of information I'm gonna give you the whole day. How the NBA draft lottery works. Um, I do this at some point before every NBA draft lottery that the Magic are involved because I think people don't always know how this crazy thing works. Um, obviously they unveil the envelopes with all the team names and, and, and have the representatives on stage. Magic have not rep- announced their representative yet. Um, they have all their, their, their team reps on stage and, 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 and they do that, but, but that's not the lottery. The lottery actually takes place in a room roughly 30 minutes before uh, the show takes place. Um, it's con- conducted by Ernst and Young by an accounting firm. They have very specific process for drawing the lottery balls uh, and determining who wins the NBA draft lottery. Um, they they haven't aired it live. Literally, every, everyone in the room has to hand their cell phones over and put it in a box or something. Um, and they're sequestered in that room until the end of the NBA draft lottery broadcast. And then they're, they're released um, so that the results remain uh, remain uh, confidential. And, and, and they can confirm for those in the room that the results on stage are, are what, what happened. Um, so anyone who thinks the lottery is rigged, they actually have aired, they've aired the actual lottery after it takes place on YouTube. You can go watch it. I'll probably, I'm going to write that article for Orlando Magic Daily. I'll post that link so you can actually watch the lottery take place. Um, it is a very, very boring process. It is not made for TV, um, whereas the envelope draws are. But the way the lottery actually works is it's a four number combination. If you heard me say throughout the course of the year, uh, you know, I don't want the Magic future determined by whether a two or a three pops up. Um, it's because the lottery isn't, you put everyone's name in a ping in a in a ping pong drum and draw it. And that, that's not how the lottery works. What the what every team is actually competing for. It, and, and and I think you know Tankathon is a great tool. I love Tankathon. They do great work. But what Tankathon is is not representative of how the lottery actually works. You don't just push a button and it computes the percentage and spits out and spits out you know a, a random thing. It is literally a lottery draw of four numbers. But uh, the numbers one through 14 are placed in a drum. And there are 1,001 number combinations that can be made with the numbers one through 14. 1,001 unique number combinations made by drawing the numbers one through 14 without replacing the number back in. So you can't, you can't just, you can't have one, 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 one. It starts with one, two, three, four. And so essentially what the teams are fighting for are those number combinations. Um, you know, that the, the team... The teams with the worst with the worst three records get 140 number combinations. So the Magic have 140 number combinations. The first 140 go to the go to the Houston Rockets with the worst record in the league. The next 140 go to the Detroit Pistons, and then the next 140 go to the Orlando Magic. 
In the event of a tie, like there was between the Chicago Bulls, New Orleans Pelicans, and Sacramento Kings, they split the number combinations given to their spot. So in this case, the 8, 9, and 10 spot. They split them evenly between the three teams. So when we had that tiebreaker a few weeks back, um, what essentially that decided was the order of the number combinations that, the Bulls, that those three teams get. So the Bulls, because they won that tiebreaker, get the first however, however many number combinations. Let me double check how many number combinations they get. Um, so between those three teams, as I load up Tankathon, which I just kind of said wasn't great, um, between those three teams, they get, two, uh, they get uh, 45 number combinations. So the Bulls get the first 45 of that set of three uh, for, those, for those three teams. Um, so they have 45 number combinations. Um, now, the joke, the joke that I made when that lottery was drawn was, this is great. The Magic now get the eighth, eighth pick in the draft unless one of those 45 number combinations happens to be the one that puts the Bulls in the top four. Could, could be very lucky, could be very unlucky. We don't know. That's the beauty of the NBA draft lottery. So what's going to happen on Tuesday is a representative from each team, some represent, if it's uh, usually what happens, I don't know if it's going to be different for the pandemic, what usually happens is a representative for each team, a, represent, a few representatives from the media, the Ernst & Young accountants and a representative from the NBA will be in that room and they will draw four numbers. I think it's something like they have to be drawn in 30 second or 15 second intervals or something like that. It's, it's like very precise. Like a, there's a, literally an accountant with a stopwatch and he says, draw. And the guy pulls the lever, draws the number and they, they, they grab the number. So they draw the four numbers and whatever that number combination is, they have another accountant looking for who it is and he shouts out the winner. And that's the NBA draft lottery. That's the process of the NBA draft lottery. It is boring as hell to watch. Um, it, I think there was a year where um, Cleveland had the top pick. They won the, Cleveland won the top pick and then won the next three picks. But of course, they didn't have three more picks, so they couldn't win it. And they had to keep drawing until they had a new winner. But that's how the lottery works. That's how the lottery actually works. Um, and so we'll obviously wait with bated breath and hope that the Magic's lucky number combination comes up because ultimately that's what matters. Um, that's, that's how the lottery works. Um, I hope that explains it. I, I, I will post a video. You can find the video of the NBA draft lottery, the actual NBA draft lottery on YouTube. If I'm not mistaken, the year of the Luka Doncic draft, the magic were literally one number combination away for, or one number. I forget which number away from winning that, winning that lottery and getting Luka Doncic. Um, so that probably had, that probably was more, was closer than the magic actually were if they had lost that game against the wizards. But um, you can you can see how crazy that room gets. Like, I think Zach Lowe's been in that room several times. He's told stories where it looked like a team way at the bottom was about to win the lottery, and then a one popped up, and that you know ones are essentially all owned by the three worst teams in the league. So you know one is a very very good number for us, very very good number for the Magic in this case. But that's how the lottery works. I hope that helps explain the process a little bit more. Um, I do think it is a process that a lot of fans don't quite understand, especially when they they talk about things. Um, but I, I think that's that's important to remember too. Um, we're going to close. Let's, if, if there are no more comments or, or speaker requests to make, um, you know, please feel free to make them. I'm going to stall for a time one more time by simming a tankathon since I'm on here. Um, in our tankathon, the magic fall to the six pick, so we're going to ignore that and just uh, and to say, well, we wasted one of those, um, so we don't make sure that it doesn't happen on Tuesday. Um, thanks everyone for joining us for today's Spotify Green Room. Uh, I, I hope everyone likes the new layout. I'm glad. They were able to get through today's show. Um, we'll do this again next week after the NBA draft lottery for sure. It'll probably be another Thursday at 5 p.m. So mark your calendars now. 
for Thursday at 5 p.m. We'll do another one of these Spotify green rooms uh, and talk a little bit about where the Magic go next after the NBA draft lottery. And of course, as Raf Henry just points, great no spam either. Uh, I think Spotify is going to be doing a lot better job at filtering out spam and spam accounts than than Locker Room was. So very, very glad to have them as a partner on this thing. But thanks everyone again, whether you're listening on Spotify Green Room, whether you're listening on, on a playback on Locked On Magic. Thank you again for listening. Feel free to interact with me anytime. You can do so on Twitter at R underscore OMD or on Orlando Magic Daily at Omagic Daily. You can, of course, subscribe to Locked On Magic on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himmel, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of my still on podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Thanks, everyone, again for joining today's Spotify Green Room. We will see you next week when the Magic's future will be so much clearer. Thanks, everyone, again for joining. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.